In this episode, we'll be talking about open hearts, open homes, home for good. This conversation ended up so rich and full that we had two choices. It could either be too long or we risked losing too much in the edit. And so we decided to make it into a two-parter. I'm sure you're going to enjoy listening to Rachel's really rich and inspiring stories. Welcome to Turning Little Stones, the podcast that takes a fresh look at the fascinating world of young children. As a parent, experienced child care professional and early years consultant, I get how much we dream good things for our children. We start out hopeful and confident, and yet somehow the daily reality can feel more like a grind than a gift. And so we easily miss out on the joys of these fleeting early years. Over time, I've come to realize that to give our children the best start in life, we first need to recognize what's going on inside them in secret. There is some great research out there, and my heart is to make some of this relatable for everyone. And so throughout these weekly podcasts, I hope that whoever you are, parent, family carer, childminder, practitioner, anyone who spends time with young children can take a moment each week to reinterpret what our children are doing and why. And by doing so, I have seen countless exasperated, bewildered, exhausted carers become re-energized and inspired as they find easy ways to connect with what their young children are naturally eager to do. A little like turning over a pebble in a rock pool to discover a hidden world tucked away. We too will look at our children with fresh eyes and delight in being part of their journey. So welcome back to Turning Little Stones. And today I'm absolutely delighted to have with us Rachel, who is coming to talk to us about open heart, open home. And I don't want to explain her story. So yeah, just just a little bit about yourself. You introduce yourself, Rachel. Hello. So I'm Rachel. So I am at present 48. <laughs> um, I have a birth son of um, 22. And then I have an adopted daughter who is 10, coming up to 11. And I am also a foster care of a young man who is seven. So that's sort of how our family works. I am a single lone parent and have been since Josh was three. So um, there's a lot that goes on in our home. Mm. <laughs> Lots of organisation, but it's great and crazy and all of those things. So that's who I am. I think we're all just sitting here thinking, yikes. <laughs> <laughs> that's just me. <laughs> so you're you're here really to, to share some of your story about... The adoption process, fostering, I know you fostered, but you're also a trained teacher and an ambassador for rather a special organisation as well, aren't you? And I guess what I want to say to our listeners is we're not all on this same journey, but we can all have open hearts and open homes and we can always cultivate a little bit more of that, whatever our families look like. 
Um, and actually, rather lovely for us, we are absolutely delighted to have us with us here, Joe, who has just, just found out who her two little adoptive children are going to be. So we just want to say welcome. Joe's just here really to sit in. Um, so you might not hear her, but um, it's been an absolute joy already. The, the conversations that have been going on have been absolutely wonderful. And if we just are able to share a little bit of that with you listeners, we're, that's what it's about. Mm. So, um, Rachel, I know that you are adopted yourself. I am. So, yes, so, so I was... Tell us a little yeah. bit about your adoptive So, family. I was five and a half weeks old when I was placed with my um, adoptive parents. So, um, obviously, wow. I've already told you how old I am. So, um, I was an early 70s baby. So, it was tri more traditional, really, that there wasn't the foster care system in the same mm -hmm. way that it's, it's set up now. Um, so, I was in a foster placement, I believe, for about five weeks after coming out of hospital and then... My um, wonderful parents were given a phone call one day mm. and asked to come up two days later to come and get me. So it worked quite differently to the system that I've been involved in in the last few years. But So that's my background. Um, I have a sibling, uh, a brother, who is six and a half years younger than me, but he is not my birth sibling. He is an adoptive sibling. So my parents decided to adopt again later on. So we are, we look very different, but we are definitely brother and sister. So it's, it's lovely. So we're very privileged um, to have been brought up in that environment, really. So yeah, so that's sort of how that came about. Um, and I know you wanted to sort of see how, how my parents have sort of nurtured me and sort of helped me along my journey. Really, well, I they suppose. just seem <laughs> very, very special people. Um, I think it, 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 it's wonderful of them to open their hearts and open their home to you and your brother. And I'd just love to know what that looks like or looked like yeah. to their daughter. Yeah, I think... It's, it's in some ways it's quite hard to put into words because love is an action. So people can often say, I love you or, um, you know, seemingly spout out the right things. But actually your actions always speak louder than your words do. And I think that's what is the legacy of my parents. You know, they have... 100% opened their hearts up wholeheartedly. It was lovely when I was pregnant with my son, actually, because I remember we had some of my, my girlfriends and I, a couple of us were pregnant at the same time, and we were in my mum and dad's garden. And, the, you know, the inevitable questions sort of came up about pregnancies and labours and bits and pieces. And I remember mum and I had at some point gone to replenish drinks and she went, I totally forgot that I haven't actually helped. You know, you didn't grow in my tummy. So just not that way inclined. And, and that to me was one of the most precious conversations I've had with my mum. And we've had many. But to actually, for her not to remember that I didn't grow in her tummy was just awesome for me because it's, it's that... It surpassed everything because it's, you know, I was pregnant at the time. So it's quite, you know, everything in your body is changing. But actually, she's absolutely right. And obviously, as I've subsequently adopted too, 
you do forget that you haven't had them from birth. You just fully accept them. And, you know, there's a phrase that, you know, you grow, you grow in my heart, you grew in my heart, sorry, not my, tu- not my tummy. And that is exactly what it is. It's, it's just about being open and honest and, and fully engaging in that. And certainly my mum and dad absolutely did um, and just showed us what love was. And it's just, it is beautiful. I love it. I'm so proud of them. And, you know, I always say, if I can emulate just half of what they have, then actually we're on a winner in our family. <laughs> so, and they, remain, you know, they but remain true for active. every family, actually. 100%. Just to be reminded that, oh, yeah. that love is, is something that we need to make love shown, yes. <laughs> not yeah. just spoken. I, I love that. So, so just day by day, um, was it an open home? Did you have play dates? Did you have people coming around for meals? And, you know, how how did it look? <laughs> oh, yes and yes and yes. Um, so we had quite an eclectic, strange home in the sense of my dad has been a pastor all of my life, so. Um, so but we also lived um, in, a, in a huge building, um, old sort of, manor housey type home where it was a conference centre, a fishing conference centre. So my parents were part of the main team. So we all had our separate homes, um, but they sort of ran it and lots of people came in. So we absolutely had hugely open homes and uh, the nature of the work that my parents did um, was really about um, supporting people going through tricky times in their lives as well so you know there were times where we woke up in the morning and came down for breakfast and there were people that we did not know at our our um, table and I guess I learned quite quickly to converse with people that I don't know (laughs) Um, but it was very much an open home but it was a open home to help restore and I think that's the the key message that went through that it's like it there's there's always a way back And I think that's a fundamental part of who I am as well. And hopefully that I give to my children Mm. and I hope that over time they will then pass on to their children, not just that. But somehow they did that. They they did this significant work of caring for others. Yes. Without that impacting you and your brother, you still knew that you were their children absolutely yeah I think I think as with any children growing up there were moments where you moaned about so-and-so being over and not having the amount of time you wanted with your parent and Mm. you know because that is the nature of the sort of that style of of um opening your home up yeah you know it's a selfless thing but that actually when you are growing up as as teenagers particularly you are so egocentric mm. and more vocal mm. about it than perhaps younger children mm. might be, mm. that actually, yeah, we definitely have those conversations. But I do remember they always then adapted and and re-calibrated sort of some of their behaviours to ensure that we did feel that. In real terms, and they won't mind me sharing, you know, at significant points, as an adopted person... Um, there are, I call it my jelly foundation. So I am securely a- attached to my family. Absolutely 100%, no problem about it. They are my family. 
However, there are moments that if I am pushed and poked hard enough, I wobble. And there are significant moments that that happened. Um, I lost my, my birth certificate when I got married and changed my name and it went somewhere. And I have no idea where it went, but all of a sudden I panicked and didn't know who I was. Who was I supposed to get? What, what birth certificate? Because I officially have a birth certificate and an adoptive certificate. And I was suddenly like, I don't know who I am. <laughs> so there are moments of those things and, and other things that happen along the way that you just sort of, that probably that you are dealing with on a different level than perhaps a birth child might yeah that's not you know not to say that other families have difficulties in those attachment situations but for me that was one of my biggies but I was 24 <laughs> so it wasn't it didn't happen actually where you think it might happen um but you know all sorts of things like that do crop up and and they just give you that little wobble um and I think as long as you recognize it and it is about that acknowledgement that actually this is part of my story. You know, I can't ever take all of it away. So however strongly and firmly attached I feel, there's still that little bit of a wobble that can come up and, and catch me unawares sometimes. But I think over time you, you sort of go, oh, no, hang on, put some rationality into that. And, and it's fine. It is what it is. But, um, but overall... No, they're amazing, amazing parents. I'm hugely thankful, grateful, whatever the word is. <laughs> and that, I just want to say for those of us who aren't adopting or adopted, there are moments of time when we need to think about how our routines or our life is evolving and maybe we are letting slip how we show our love to our children. So, you know, whatever that looks like. I remember we used to have Friday night is family night. End of. That was, we ended the week, Friday night is family night. And then, you know, they, they get to an age where... <clears throat> Friday night, family night is um, is pretty pretty hard to keep yeah. and maintain. Yeah. But how we then change that to be something else? So yeah, yeah. And I think mm. that's it. You know, as I've said, you know, I've got um, quite wide ranging children. One being an adult, you know, and and managing those differences. And you know, there are so many more blended families. Um, around anyway now um, because of different circumstances, mm. not necessarily adoption and fostering. But, um, you know, I think that side of it is trying to find what works for your dynamics. And sometimes that might mean that you are focusing on one age group more than another. Mm. But then you have to, you know, recalibrate that and do it the other way around as mm. well. And, and I think that's that's a key factor that my friends are great at supporting me in, in trying to make sure that I have time with all of my young people at different stages and, and times so that they feel that they've had a bit of me. And I think that's that's really hard to manage mm. on a daily basis. It is. But it's about carving out specific times so mm. that they feel valued yeah. as an individual, not just a collective. And I think that's mm. that's really, really important for me. And that's as we go forward as a family unit that looks quite 
random at times. Um, you know, for me, that's that's really significant. My daughter has a, a day off school on Friday, so she's got her wish list of going to the ceramics place, and you know, she's arty, so I'm so not. But I am learning to embrace my inner artist (laughs) and we are creating things at the ceramics place because that's actually it's just about spending quality time with her doing something that she loves. My son is a massive Marvel fan. So often it's it's film related and spending that time. um, We've also been going back up and down to his university quite a lot recently um, to finish off his uni and yeah, that's been really, so we're listening to a particular podcast that he likes and that's our connection point on mm. journeys mm. and things like that. So that's really great. My little foster man is awesome, but he has significant needs. So um, additional needs. So he needs different to, to that. Um, so, but but it's, it's just sort of trying to meet everyone's needs. It's hard. Yes. And I think that's the biggest thing as any parent. And that to is meet true needs. for anyone, isn't it? One, if you've it got doesn't matter who multiple children yeah. is carving out one-on-one yeah. time. And if you're a single parent as yeah. well, that is very hard to engineer yeah. and it yes. does need planning. And we will have another podcast on yeah. um, siblings and friendships yeah. in time um, and we'll sort of revisit this with different ways of you doing Absolutely. that but, but no the, the for me I think it's about who you who you surround yourself so yes we've got our family unit but actually we work I think the phrase is you know it takes a village to raise a child doesn't it and actually that's exactly what we have created I've purposely set out and created the village that supports our family and we are incredibly blessed with the people we have around us who will babysit and you know for for ours because we've got adopted and and foster children within our unit it has to go to another level because they all have to be dbs checked Mm. and you know if they're saying it there's they have to be okay you know by the social workers so we have slight more complexities along that but actually even before that i had my group of friends that surrounded me and that my emergency three o'clock in the morning oh my goodness i need to get my child to A&E because they're having a, an allergic reaction and absolutely 100% I have family um, friends as well as family family would do it but my friends were the ones that lived closest so it was a case of I can ring you at two o'clock in the morning and you will drive me to A&E and that not everyone has that and that is such a key factor as far as I'm concerned it's it's nurturing those those adult friendships actually will support you in being the best parent that you can be um Mm. so for me that's one of my Mm. biggest Mm. yeah nuggets I guess of of things Joe's sitting here taking (laughs) (laughs) it's like who are your two o'clock in the morning family (laughs) that you can and and without question I mean one of those situations arose in lockdown so it was the point where you could meet someone but I had to get to my son who was at university in hospital and and it was ridiculously o'clock in the morning and my friend came with her sleeping bag, with her pillow and rocked up and just slept so that my mm. daughter, because I couldn't take her into the hospital and things. No, so, no, you know, it's it's no. about having that, oh my goodness, what would happen if mm. moments mm. and, and mm. doing a little bit of planning. It is about the planning, but sometimes it doesn't always work out quite yes. when you want it. But yes. Um, yes. yeah, I've been hugely yes. grateful by my village that helped me for sure. Nice, I like the term, I like yeah. the term. So obviously that's your backstory. So 
Was there a moment when you decided that you wanted to open your home to other children's, uh, other people's children? Uh, and, you know, we're talking fostering and adoption here, but, but not necessarily. You know, again, there, there could be a point in time for all of us and for all our listeners where we kind of go, do you know what, I could go the extra mile. I could have this friend's child over to stay for a weekend while you know their parents need to do something so that you know opening our hearts and opening our homes can look very different Absolutely. but it is it, but but in terms of you and your story yeah, we've gone to the extreme beautifully so but yeah um but uh yeah is was there a moment in time when you kind of thought I although I've got my own child and my own son I actually want to still open my home to others yeah it's it's one of those I I couldn't pinpoint a time because it has always been there so I there must have been an actual time where that thought process happened but it obviously happened so so long ago that I I can't pinpoint it um but it did (laughs) it did sort of it was just in the background all the time I knew that I wanted to have my own birth children um because of being adopted and that's that's absolutely quite normal really for adopted um people to want to have theirs not everyone does and, and not everyone feels that need but for me that was quite important um but I also knew, and even before um, I was officially going out with Josh's dad, um, I definitely had said, I would like to foster and adopt in my future. You know, are you up for that? Um, So it was important enough that anyone that I was going to have any long-term relationship with they needed to be on board with that. So that was definitely part of me. And but I always knew that I if if it were possible, and and that's a whole nother story, because it looked like it might not be possible for a while to have my own birth children. Um, that was something I had to had to go through. Um and it was always then. So maybe that was why I had that thought process too, because I had to confront that at 17 of whether I would have birth children too. So from that perspective, it wasn't quite as, oh, well, let's just go down that road and, and do that. Maybe there was more thought process in it that yeah. I just haven't really realised at that's the time. Fine. We're all, we all are at different evolved, points, don't you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I, think, I think that's really true with all families, you know, whether, you know, even just coming to fostering and adoption, everyone's journey is different. You know, for some it is infertility, for others it's choice, you know, and, and different things like that. So, so you know, people make a lot of assumptions of families that are going through these processes too, and actually not many are the same <laughs> that I've come across. They all have different stories, and I think that's the same of birth families or blended families you know we we use that term a lot now don't we and and I think that's the bit that in a society where we have so many more eclectic versions of family I think we should and hopefully are more accepting of different different styles and and ways of creating your family and I think that's that's that can only be a good thing really and and certainly good for the children you know for me you know I grew up and out of our closest friends, um, there were six of us around our age and four of us were adopted. 
that I believe is really significant to me understanding and accepting being adopted as a norm. Um, whereas I think if if people are learning and journeying who they are, because we all have to journey who we are anyway, who are, you know, whatever our background, our journey through life, we all go through those those significant moments. But for me, it was normal to be adopted. It was actually abnormal in our friendship group to not be. So, you know, and statistically wise. Um, and that that made such a difference. And I think that made a difference for my brother. His wasn't quite the same. He was the only one in his immediate group other than me, obviously. Um, and so, you know, there's also often, you know, and I don't like to generalise, but I'm going to use it just for this analogy. You know, I'm a chatter. I'll talk about it. You know, obviously, there's certain parts that I won't necessarily share with everyone. But generally, I'm very proud of being adopted. If you met my brother, he probably wouldn't tell you that part of his story. And that's okay. That's really all right, because that's his story to tell. And I think that's, that's the journey of, of adoption and fostering. And I think we have to be really mindful of our children's story. It is their story, not ours to tell. Oh, and that's, that's significant. True, actually. I'm so glad you said that, because again, that is true for every parent I, I I sometimes look at how much is shared about their own children on on social media and uh, social media is a great thing I'm not negative about it but um I do sometimes wonder whether their children in a few years time are really going to resent some Absolutely. of the stuff they shared and I think that's because when you go through the fostering and adoption process you're very much told do not put pictures, stories, names onto that. So, so we're very mindful of, of what we share. And that protects our children, actually, obviously, because they're significant, you know, they are significantly at risk. They are vulnerable children. So, so we have a legal responsibility to protect them. But actually, so does every parent. That is our job as parents to, to protect our children, to safeguard them. And I think people do forget that sometimes. But that's just, you know, one of those things that you have to learn to navigate. Um, and that can be hurtful. I think you know, I was always very careful with what I put on, even with my birth son. I never did for different reasons. Um, so that was a that was a choice I made when when sort of Facebook and bits and pieces became a thing. Because yes, I didn't have phones growing up and things on that old. So it is a new thing we're we're to. But um, I think it's 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 a minefield for families and and parents. But I think that can be a painful place for adoptive or parents, you know, who've longed for that child but can't share the same things. That can be really painful. So, you know, sometimes just think about that for other families, you know, when we're sharing our perfect, ideal, wonderful world, whereas actually two minutes before or at least afterwards, there's carnage going on. You know, we have to remember it's it. just a I snapshot of that yes. moment. It's not reality. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. I hope you'll agree there's so much that Rachel has already shared with us that we'll want to take this week to savour it and maybe relate some things to our own story and situation. And so we'll be picking this up again next time with Rachel. And for now, we thank you for sharing your experience of having been brought up in a family that opened their heart and home to you. Next time, we'll be looking at how this has influenced your parenting and how you and your children are in turn opening your hearts and homes to others. 
It just leaves me to say thank you for listening to this episode of Turning Little Stones. We hope it's given you some food for thought and maybe some ideas to try. As always, you'll find the show notes for this episode, together with further information, episodes and resources, by heading over to our website, www.turninglittlestones.com. So until next time, goodbye.